Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. One thing I want to do today is mention Father's Day. I found a, a sweet poem that I wanted to read to honor our fathers, or for those who have filled in in place of fathers as well, stepfathers, foster dads. This is called My Dad's Hands by David Kettler. He says, Bedtime came and we were settling down, and I was holding one of my lads. As I grasped him, I saw a strange sight. My hands. They looked like my father's. I remember them well, those old gnarled hooks. There was always a cracked nail or two, and thanks to a hammer that strayed from its mark, his thumb was a beautiful blue. They were rough, I remember, tough, as strong as a carpenter's vice. But holding a scared little boy at night, they seemed so awfully nice. The sight of those hands, how impressive it was in the eyes of a little boy. So glad you're joining us today. As you know, we're working our way through the Beverly Hills Lectures, one of Ernest Holmes' final books, if you will, and one of my favorites. He talks about his entire philosophy in a few chapters, the mature voice of a great philosopher. Last week, we talked about our divine inheritance, the idea that spirit's consciousness is also our consciousness. We talked about using our intuition and our innate senses, our higher wisdom self to connect into something greater than just our own physical minds. And we talked about the idea of divine patterns of perfection as the idea of taking one of those qualities of God like love or joy or peace and contemplating. Really, we're zooming in on one of those patterns of perfections, which we can really harness in our own lives by asking simple questions. What would love do? What would peace do, right? We can begin organizing our own thoughts and behaviors around some of those patterns of perfection that we talked about last week. And uh, we ended last week uh, by actually building our own customized mental equivalent of a sweet moment in time. And that we could use that as a template or as a mold for, for filling ourselves up in moments of, of stress or tiredness. When we'd like to see more of that good life, we can literally bring that mental equivalent back into our mind, that, that kind of tone painting that we created, knowing that it's God's good pleasure to refill that for us, to bring that level of joy or peace or happiness or success or, or whatever that mental model that we built up. We can refill it again, that God's only too happy to recreate the love in our life or the joy in our life. Well, today I want to get a little more granular, and I think the place to start is with a quote from uh, Ernest Holmes that I have here. And it really hits at the very heart of his teaching that our thoughts become things, that literally our thinking is what drives our experience of the world. Uh, But let me read the quote from him. He says, the approach to spirit is directly in our own mind, but the mind cannot accept what it also rejects. We either believe or we do not. We cannot believe and disbelieve the same thing at the same time. We cannot walk two ways at once. We must learn that the mind can, if we desire, be controlled so that we can gradually come into the habitual state of thinking the way we choose to think. This can only be possible when we recognize 
that our thoughts are things. We affirm this general rule given by Jesus, which in effect is this. It is done unto each one of us as we believe. We must, therefore, believe which we wish to receive. Are we able to become convinced to accept that which the mind no longer repudiates? We will then demonstrate a better life. Definitely and deliberately, we attempt to mold the invisible cause into our actual human experience. Well, it's certainly easy to say our thoughts become things, and therefore I'm going to have better thoughts, right? Uh, and in practical measure, as most of you who have been here any time at all have discovered, uh, that sometimes it's a little more difficult than, than we might think. And, and I'll use a metaphor. Some of you know that as a sideline, I write fantasy and science fiction novels. And I was doing a bit of research for a book uh, that will be coming out later this year. And one of the things in it is how light works. I was doing some research on quantum quantum studies on how light actually works. And I think it, it pertains to here, and I'll explain a bit. We're all familiar with a flashlight, right? When you take a flashlight out at night, it should project just a beam of pretty coherent light. But we've noticed as we shine the flashlight that it's kind of diffuse on the edges. Now, some of us are used to thinking of light bulbs that shine the light in all directions. But a flashlight shouldn't do that, right? The bulb is back in there. Have you ever really wondered why it does that fan thing? Well, there is a diffusion principle of light, and scientists some time ago thought they would try to measure this. So they started with some of the most coherent light on the planet you can create, which is laser light. The idea of coherent light is through a series of mirrors and prisms. You can really direct a powerful beam just about as straight as you possibly can imagine. Well, you've probably seen a laser pointer. Even from a really long distance, it'll just be a dot on a screen. So really taking that flashlight to the, the next level. So they set up a laboratory experiment where they had photographic receptors on the walls in front of where the beam was going to be, and they shot it. And, and in theory, they could measure the amount of light going out, and then, because they had the receptors, they could measure the amount of light being received. And they'd covered, like, the whole wall. Guess what? Some of the light was still unaccounted for. And this is a laser even. So most of the light, yeah, concentrated in that dot. And a little bit of the light diffuse like a flashlight would be. Much less, of course, because it's coherent. But still, a fair amount of the light was not available for them to figure out. Do you know how they finally had to balance the equation? They had to put photoreceptors in the entire room. Some of the light actually did a hundred 180-degree turn and hit photoreceptors on the back wall of the laboratory. Now, I hate to tell you, this, sadly, is the way our thoughts work. <laughs> I, I hoped that you thought I was going to rein this in at some point here. So we think often that our thinking is pretty coherent. 
we think that we're loving people. We think that we, we want to embark upon a particular course that has a particular outcome. And we'll, we'll do our prayers in the morning. Today's going to be a fabulous day, and I'm going to do a great day at work, right? We set our intentions for doing something or accomplishing things, and our mind seems in pretty good alignment with us. We've been practicing this a while, right? Uh, we might have affirmations that are helping to align our thoughts towards a certain goal or a certain way of being and so on. And then what happens? We're like out of the flashlight and out into the world and suddenly our coherence, our ability to, to stay focused in that same way around light or joy or peace or, or those things that we've been talking about this month starts varying a little bit. We get to work and suddenly uh, someone who's upset is on the phone with us and all of our thoughts of love and light and joy kind of out the window. Pretty soon we might find ourselves arguing with someone when it's the, the last thing we would have ever, ever imagined in the morning when we were sitting down and maybe doing a meditation or a treatment. One might say it's the natural tendency of our minds to have some erratic behavior, even as the light occasionally we'll send a photon in the opposite direction of where we'd like it to go. So first of all, I want to reassure you that it's only natural that we have thoughts to the contrary. But I also want to reassure you that we have the power to get that beam of our thinking way more coherent than it is now. Most of us are like the simple flashlight where we have a, a degree of coherency in the middle about what we want and who we are and how we want to show up in the world. But oh my gosh, that, that spread around that coherency, not so good. Let me just use an example. You know, over the years I've had a, a lot of clients in and some of the common topics are romance and relationships and another one is, uh, is abundance. And I often work with people who would like to see their lives on the more coherent side where money is concerned. Gosh, we'll work on affirmations. We'll work on dispelling some of their false beliefs that you have to work super hard and that money is super hard to get and that there's never enough. And you know, all those real common things floating around in the world that's so easy for us. You know, we talked about uh, at the beginning of the month that idea of, well, who am I going to listen to? What everybody else says or what I want and what I know to be true for myself. And gosh, money is a hard one, isn't it? There's like a million opinions out there that say how hard it is to get and how there's not enough and, and on and on and on. And I work really hard with people to try to bring the coherency around there's plenty of money. This is an abundance universe. There is absolutely no reason that I should not be prospered and so on and so forth. And what I observe is that coherency of their thinking, like a flashlight, gets more coherent and they'll be out in the world for me to observe and I'll hear the comment of, uh, 
well, you know, they're kind of rich. And there's this feeling I have about rich people. They probably got that money not in such an up and up manner. They were probably handed that money from their parents or, and I'm like, wait a minute here. Here's one of the photons that hit the back of the wall, right? You can't be against something and want something at the same time. You can't want to be the rich person and say, there's something wrong with rich people. So what I'm here to say is, A, this is a process, this is a goal that we have for creating coherent thought in our life. Don't be discouraged when you notice that some of your thoughts are contrary, honestly, to what would be good for your goal. But those are the signals we need to keep reining things back in. We really can take the beam of that flashlight way down, make it way more narrow. And, and the place we start is by putting those photoreceptors out there. If we don't know what our thoughts are, there's not going to be a chance on this planet of us changing them. And so here's where spiritual practice comes in. And I encourage all of you to have journals. I encourage all of you to talk freely with a prayer partner and other people around what's up for you and the changes you want to make. Because sometimes those extra photoreceptors have to be from your own writing, have to be from friends and colleagues that really care for you. You will maybe not know if you are saying and thinking things that are actually the opposite of what you want. I know a lot of people are very worried right now about the peace in the world. Uh, I've heard people talking about Kim Jong-un and the ability for intercontinental ballistic missiles to strike. And I mean, there's a sense of we need to do something about the distrust and, uh, and, and trouble in the world right now. And yet I hear a lot of the stuff coming out of their mouths about their own form of things unlike peace in their own lives, uh, in our own country, and so on. You can't be an adversary and want peace at the same time. You can't be violently against something and still, right? Again, it's back to the Ernest Holmes quote. It's going to be one or the other. And when we send our own minds, and when therefore we send spirit, a mixed message about what's true for us, the results are just going to be a mess. Some suggestions here. First of all, one of the ideas is a certain amount of vigilance. And I think that's going to lead me into today's joke. So a guy walks into a bakery known for making extra fancy cakes. He says, I'd like to have a cake shaped like the letter S. Well, the baker smiles and says, well, okay, I can do that, but the cake's going to be expensive. The man confirms the prices, no object. Baker tells him to come back after three o'clock. So when he comes back, the baker unveils a beautiful S-shaped cake, but the man's still upset. I wanted a cake with the letter S in cursive script, not block letters. The baker says, oh, Okay, well, sir, uh, come back at 7 o'clock. We'll take care of you. So at 7, the guy comes back, and the baker rolls out a beautiful cake shaped like an S in lavish script. The guy says, the frosting's all wrong. Make it pink and green only. The baker says, okay, fine, well, we can do that. Just wait here. I'll have it back out as soon as we can. 
Well, a half hour later, the baker brings the cake out again, shows it. The man is finally happy. The baker pulls out a cake box, starts putting it in. No, 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 don't bother to do that, says the guy. I'll eat it here. <laughs> well, I'm glad a few of you are laughing anyway. <laughs> What this is illustrating, I think, well, a couple different things. One could say that he'll have his cake and eat it too. But what I want to suggest is we're not going to be perfect at this, even in knowing what we want. Does this make sense? Sometimes when we have lived our lives in, in abject poverty or never really known what a true loving relationship is like, uh, sometimes when we have an idea of what we want to do or what we want to become, sometimes we haven't quite gotten it right and we won't even know it until we see it. We won't even know it until we see it. So this is not a cause for us to think we have been a failure. Like the guy in the cake story, it's okay to change your mind. Spirit is a dutiful servant. Spirit would gladly make you another cake. No extra charge, <laughs> no extra bother. Like the guy in the story, you might have to come back at seven o'clock, right? So sometimes our, our changes are not overnight, but as you change your thinking, whether it's in big gulps or whether it's refining how you want to see your life show up, God will respond to that. It's simply a matter of creating the coherency of your thinking ever better around what it is you really wish to experience in the world. And again, always fall back on some of those amazing prototypes that we talked about last week. Love will never let you down. Joy can always be there for you. So, so if you're ever unsure about a, a certain path or a certain way you want to show up or, or some new career you want to embark upon or something like that, always, always bring it back to basics and you will get some good guidance. If you're in that process of fine-tuning, ask yourself, well, is this job the path that love would take? Or is this job the path that love would take? Or joy would take? Or beauty would take? You know, whatever, whatever it is you're working right on uh, right now in terms of, of making that a system of thinking and beliefs in your life more coherent, just ask yourself those very basic questions and you will not go wrong. Well, I want to close today with a summary and a prayer. First of all, our thoughts are creative. Remember Ernest Holmes, his probably most famous statement is our thoughts become things. Literally what we're thinking about for the most of our time today is literally what's going to shape our experience of the world tomorrow. So God uses our thinking to shape our lives. And as we adjust our thinking to the positive, our life will become more positive. That's another simple trick, is when you find yourself thinking things that are negative, typically, almost always, those will be where the lights hit in the back part of the stage because we don't want negativity in our lives. And so most often when our thoughts turn to the negative, probably not where we want to spend a lot of time. That's probably one of the places we want to rein things in a little bit and try picturing it as what we do want rather than what we don't want. 
And finally, when we want specific outcomes, this idea of iteration comes into plan because we maybe never have had the perfect neighborhood to live in. Uh, We might overshoot or undershoot, and that's okay. It's natural for us to not know exactly what we want. So don't give up. Don't think, well, I've failed at manifesting the perfect job or the the glorious relationship I want. Just use that as more information for fine-tuning your thinking and your thoughts. Now, I do have a bit of homework for you. Put the photoreceptors on the back wall. It's like we're pretty clear about probably what we want to experience in life, at least in general terms. But what are the contrary beliefs and thoughts that we're still lingering in our own heads? Now, I'll make a suggestion for you. I think this is done really well in journaling. And even if you don't normally keep a journal, just for the purposes of this homework, bring out a few pieces of paper and put there something that you want to accomplish or some difference that you want to make in your life. Let's say that that maybe you want to embark upon a real change in your career and maybe the the main purpose of it is to feel more fulfilled, I would write down what will be fulfilling in my life. You know, ask a broad question and then write down all of your thoughts about that, negative and positive. Don't uh, overthink it. In fact, try to write as much as you can about it and then later go over it and notice the balance of negative and positive things And ask yourself if those negative beliefs, you might have a negative belief that a woman of your age is not going to have a good chance at the career you want. Or you might be thinking that a gentleman that has the education that you have will never qualify for the perfect career. Or you might even have thoughts that careers are terrible to begin with. It's all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I don't want to be a dull boy. So, so just journal down everything that comes to your head. And, and that's all I'm asking you to do this week is just install some of, those, uh, some of those ways of noticing what your true beliefs are about areas in your life where you have a goal. Because I would suggest to you that most likely you'd already have that goal. If you've had a goal for a certain amount of time, I bet you would already have that goal if there weren't contrary thoughts that are keeping you from it. Here's our goal, is to find out what those contrary thoughts are so we can do something about it. All right, let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one goodness, one joy, one peace. All of those fabulous prototypes we've been talking about, all of those in the heart and the mind of God, and all accessible to me. I know I'm right in the middle of them. That there, In fact, there's no escaping them. God's love is mine. God's joy is mine. If I just open my eyes and look for it and accept it, that level of exuberance in the world is mine. And as it is true for me, I know it is true without question for everyone. Each of us has that capacity for setting our minds in alignment so that we can achieve truly the lives of our dreams. That each one of us, through the power of our thinking, through thinking thoughts that are positive and useful for the most part, and, uh, and winnowing out, trying to uh, let go of some of the thoughts that would tend to be on the negative side, truly our lives will change dramatically. 
And so for this concept, I'm grateful. For us taking this into action, I'm even more grateful. And so in gratitude, I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. So glad you were here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.